0: Episode 2. Okay, so by now we've kind of got the lowdown on what Peace Corps is and how you get into it. Now it's time to ask, what is Madagascar and what do we do here? And yes, we have to answer what Madagascar is because turns out a lot of people think that it's fictional and was just made up for that one cartoon movie, or however many sequels there are. But in more exciting news, on the second half of the show, we'll have some volunteers give you an idea of what a day or week in the life of a Peace Corps volunteer looks like. In the meantime, it's all me, Greenhorn podcast personality and health volunteer Dexter Gulick, invading your airwaves for the next couple minutes. So, the first thing to know is that Madagascar has a nickname, the Eighth Continent. And that's because Not only does it have a continent's worth of ecological diversity, it's also the fourth largest island in the world. So, quick pop quiz which three are in front of it? All right, time's up. The answer was Greenland at number one, New Guinea at number two. and Borneo at number three. And to the crowd that's all up in arms like, but what about Australia? Well, that doesn't count because it's an actual continent, which kind of feels like a cop-out, but then again, you probably weren't thinking, hmm, well, the biggest island is probably the whole Europe-Asia-Africa supercontinent, so get out. I'm on to you and to your games. So back in ye olden times, Madagascar was sandwiched between Africa and India in a supercontinent called Gondwanda. Around 132 million years ago, it split off from modern-day Africa, and then about 88 million years ago, it broke up with India. So that's right, Madagascar's a part of the African Union now, but its most recent neighbor was actually India. What's more is that the first permanent settlers of Madagascar came from Borneo, Remember that third largest island? Somewhere around 400 BC. Roughly 7,700 kilometers or 4,800 miles as the crow flies, all in outrigger canoes. It wasn't until about 600 years later that the Bantu people, from what's now modern day Mozambique, crossed over and settled Madagascar as well. So even ethnically, Madagascar's roots lie closer to Asia than to Africa. And you definitely still see that, especially in the diet, because people here eat so much rice. So much rice. Anyways, as people moved around and settled the island, their geographic disparity led to ethnic groups and dialects to develop. Right now, the quote-unquote standard Malagasy is based off of the Merina dialect, spoken by the Merina people. And we'll get a little bit more into the reasons for that in a bit. But the main 18 ethnic groups, in alphabetical order, are Antefasi, Antimoru, Antesaka, Antabaoaka, Antankarana, Antanusi, Antandrui, Bada, Betsileo, Betsimasaraka, Bezanuzanu, Mafali, Merina, Sakalaba, Sianaka. Tanala, Tsimiheti, and the Zafisoru. That's a mouthful. I'm mean, gonna give, give me a second. I'm going to get some water. Whew. Doing great. And remember, each one of those ethnic groups speaks a different version of Malagasy. And traveling between regions, you can sometimes stop understanding people. This is especially true, at least for me, when I try and speak to anyone from the Deep South, the Atandrui because that dialect is just so bizarre compared to what I speak. And to really beat this horse some more, linguistically, all of Malagasy is an Austronesian language, meaning it is primarily derived from its first settlers from Borneo. Again, Madagascar is really not African. Now the three biggest ethnic groups are the Merina, the Betsa or in English the mini inseparable, and the Betsileo, in English the many unwearied or untired. There's a mountain range that basically runs tip to tail in Madagascar, and the highlands of these range is where the Merina and Betsileo people live. The Betsmesaraka tribe lives on the east coast, which is out where I live. And what we speak out there confuses the folks in the highlands because even our greetings are different. Folks in the Betseleu or Merina regions will go for a Salama, whereas my dialect calls for Akoriabi, radically different. And along with regional dialect, culture is radically different between these groups as well. For instance, the folks in the highlands are the economic titans of Madagascar. They've got the whole farming thing all figured out. Some places even make cheese, and having dairy cows here is really, really rare. Most places only have Zebu cattle, and so on. Where I live in the East Coast, the economy revolves around cash crops like cloves and vanilla. In fact, my region's name is Analan in the forest of cloves. And we don't grow much else here besides rice and some greens. So originally, all these ethnic groups were distinct entities controlling their own territories. In fact, they didn't even have a word for the entire island of Madagascar, just distinct spots that these particular tribes occupied. The name Madagascar is actually a misnomer uh, from Marco Polo, I believe, trying to find Mogadishu. He botched that one up. These distinct ethnic groups living on their own, this idea changed during the reign of the Merina King Radama I, who in 1817 signed a treaty with the British that both abolished the slave trade in the Merina Kingdom and secured British financial and military support. And though at the time being a fairly small kingdom, the technological support and their warfare basically allowed Radama I to secure most of Madagascar under his rule. The French were also around, and under the pretense that the Malagasy people hadn't respected a prior treaty, they invaded in 1883. The British capitulated the island as a French protectorate in 1890, and, after a larger-scale invasion, the island was annexed and declared a French colony in 1896. This lasted all the way until 1947, when on March 29th, a group of pro-independence Malagasy, frustrated by France's refusal to grant independence through legal avenues, began to rebel and coordinated attacks in the cities of Moramanga and Manacara. And while the surprise gave the Malagasy the upper hand, by May the French had brought in additional reinforcements from other African colonies and the rebellion was eventually quelled in December of 1948. During the war, the French committed a whole host of atrocities such as war rape, dropping prisoners out of airplanes, torture, and the like. End of the day, the death toll was 550 French nationals 1900 French-supporting Malagasy, and on the other side, anywhere from 11,000 to 100,000 Malagasy people. March 29th is celebrated now as Martyr's Day. But after this revolution, Madagascar moved more or less peacefully towards independence. In 1958, the Malagasy Republic was recognized as an independent state, but still under the French umbrella. The next year, the Malagasy people drafted a constitution, and on June 26, 1960, Madagascar was granted full independence. Since then, there have been four iterations of the Republic. The first ran from 1960 to 1972 and was headed by Philibert Tsiranana, who was particularly keen on keeping economic and political closeness to France. A series of protests over this neo-colonial rule brought about a provisional government until 1975, when the Second Republic, this one stylized as a socialist Marxist Republic, was brought about. During this time, Vice Admiral Ratsirika kept winning the presidency, and eventually he fell out of favor, and in 1993, the Third Republic was established. After that first term was up, though, Ratsirika, the man who was president during the entirety of the Socialist Marxist Republic, got re-elected into this new government. He only lasted one term because in 2001, the country voted in Mark Ravalomanana. During this time, the economy of Madagascar really took off and things looked pretty good. However, in an underhanded move, opposition leader Anji Razuelna did some legal maneuvering that had the Supreme Court declare him the president of the High Transitional Authority, which basically amounts to a coup d'etat. Finally, in 2013, there were elections deemed fair by the international community, and we ushered in the Fourth Republic, headed by, and I'm only going to say this name once, Hedi Rezonari Mampianana. What a mouthful. So the problem is that a lot of the advancements we saw at the end of the Third Republic under Mark Ravalomanana Manana evaporated with the coup. The international community withdrew a lot of financial support, and the confusion tanked the economy. My old host mom said the price of mufugasi, these little round sweetbreads, cost around two ariari before the coup, and now they're a hundred ariari. So you're looking at a 5,000% inflation in some sectors. And now Madagascar is ranked the 10th poorest country in the world. Setbacks also happened in health and agriculture, and that's where Peace Corps comes in, trying to assist in grassroots capacity building. So in the health field, we're looking to help with child and maternal health, water and sanitation, malaria, and nutrition. Ag volunteers here, are working on nutrition as well, food security, economic development, and ecological conservation. Because 90% of the wildlife here doesn't exist anywhere else on Earth. Education volunteers are also here to help bolster the school systems and to help teach English, since the economy is still in a position where the government is strapped to try and pay teachers. And I think that's where I'll stop for now and take a break before our volunteer interview portion. So go grab a glass of water, remember to hydrate, and I won't get mad if you pause here. Take your time, treat yourself. All right, we'll be right back. All right, so we're at the break in this episode, or as I'd like to call it, halftime. Hope you've got those orange slices and a cold Capri Sun, because you've been working hard out there. As with last time, I'm here to casually beg you to please leave us a review on iTunes. It'll really help us to get up in the charts as we're starting out and trying to get an audience base. Subscribe to us, tell your friends about us, tell your mom about us, and hey, maybe we can do a little of the explaining what Peace Corps life is like for you. All I'm saying is that if you scratch our back, we'll scratch yours metaphorically I mean like don't make this weird but I mean like I guess if if you're offering like be nice okay enough again thanks so much for listening and here comes the second half of the show
1: It. I'm stage 49, which means I got here June of last year, and I'm a teacher at a high school in Pasadena Montagori. I mean, we're English teachers. I did not teach before I came here, so when we, like, were in training, we learned how to teach, kind of, but then mostly I just figured it out along the way. You know, <laughs> there were a couple hiccups, but I think I'm getting the hang of it.
0: Sounds, sounds, sounds familiar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm learning as I go. <laughs> usually I wake up in the morning, have a cup of tea, play a couple games of solitaire, chill. Um, then I check the schedule. I usually teach, this year my schedule is two classes, Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday and Friday. So I teach four hours a day, four days a week. Um, I'll usually lesson plans on Sundays, like get ready for the week. Um, but I'm excited because Wednesday is going to be like a day off in the middle so I could just plan and then plan again on Wednesday. Um, I'll teach, I'll cook, maybe go for a run, hang out with my cat, read. Well my first year I think I was just finding my stride but now I have plans like projects that I want to do this year. Um, but last year I had an English club that met every Tuesday evening. Um, And that was fun for kids that, like, wanted extra practice with, like, speaking or they wanted to learn, like, songs or certain, like, vocabulary about, like, fashion or something we don't cover in class. Um, And then on Sundays, Sunday afternoons, I had a girls' club, and they wanted to play basketball, so we're, like, a basketball team, but we also just, like, hang out and stuff.
2: My name is Marie Fleming, I am in the Ag sector, and I live in Ampasina Manigori on the East Coast. I am the first Ag volunteer, but I have two site mates, one Health and one Ed, which is amazing, because <laughs> we're the trifecta. But with the Health volunteer, it's been really easy to find projects that we can collaborate on, um, specifically the cooking demos that we've been doing. Um, so I have the cycling Garden. I work with the mothers in the garden, and then we have the health volunteer who's super mahai, super great at um, the whole nutrition side of things. So then we pick the things from the garden, or we work in the garden, and then we can transfer that over to a cooking demo immediately um, and talk about why these things are good to eat. And look, we just farm them, so it's not too hard to do. I don't have a daily routine. It changes every day <laughs> I have no schedule so sometimes in the morning I wake up and I'm like oh my gosh what am I gonna do um, <laughs> but I think because of that I've found I found people I just I go at least the first like two weeks at site I had no plan every day I woke up without a plan and I would just dr- drink my coffee with my host family and then someone would come up to me and be like, hey, let's go on an adventure. But really it was like, hey, let's go into the forest. (laughs) And so I'm like, okay, I'll go into the forest. Um, And the next day it's like, let's go pick Jirofu, let's go pick clothes. And all of a sudden I started meeting lots of different people. And now I have somewhat of a schedule because I can go visit those people. But now, I, I really don't have, I don't have a daily schedule, but the things that I do have to do every day are water the garden, and kind of look for, like, the new project. Um, and twice a week I work in a garden with a Cicaline, Um recent mothers, and I work with O&N. Um, yeah. What
0: is, this, what is this,
2: um, a Seikaleen? Um is a nutrition center, and it is completely run by mothers and the ASEAN. Yeah.
0: So and o just for, like, the folks back at home?
2: Um, is the the National Food and Nutrition Organization in Madagascar. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
3: My name is Jared Rowan. I am an agricultural volunteer. I live here on the East Coast of Madagascar in Mahasua, my second village. My first village was Andrangaza. And yeah. um, The agricultural sector here, I would say, it's more of a freelance you find the farmer that's the most diligent the most active and you try to work with them the most with anything that they're interested in learning um, the only trouble with that is sometimes there is no direct one person to work with it's just you have to find the right person the one who me- meshes with you the best and can relay that information to the locals better so the other malagasy people and it's it varies day to day let's just say that um, my current work progress is with a agricultural center that is based in my village it promotes agricultural practices and enforces the idea of trying to learn and that's the whole purpose of the center but day to day definitely varies volunteer to volunteer So the center is for, it's a French name, shocker there, Center Promotion Rural. It's a center for promoting the rural agricultural practices that are actually practiced here in Madagascar. The new techniques, the new rice farming, chicken farming, bee farming. We are doing nurseries for cloves as well as for pepper, as well as several things. Uh, it's, it's, It's getting very active. We... I have currently helped build three gardens, massive gardens, probably 20 meters by 30 meters, roughly. So then I also helped with chicken farming. We currently have 50 chickens at the center. We started with 20. Um, that's a total between the hens, the, roo- uh, the roosters and the chicks. So now we have 50 chickens through the technique that I learned through Peace Corps and through my service and practiced, and now we are interested in the idea of possibly doing bees, but we're we're working on it. It's it's always back to that financial issue here. This is obviously the top ten, like poorest country, but people here really do put in the effort when they are very interested in doing a technique. But that's been my major project at SITE. I've been working at SITE for the last six six months, but I've doing been doing extremely active work for the last four. So teaching English, computers, I've been teaching Word, Excel on that, as well as teaching English, and mixing in with agricultural practices, how to plant, say, onions, potatoes, you name it, trying to educate the youth, because we draw on, a, draw on a lot of youth from a lot of uh, outlying villages
0: Yeah, you guys had a, a, yeah. uh, uh, was it a summer camp or something going on with
3: that yeah it was great we had uh, 36 students um, all between the ages of like 13 to 18 and a lot of them we talked about this a lot of them didn't have a future goal they didn't know where they wanted to go in their lives yes they're still young but in this country that is like the prime time of your life like what do you really want to do Do you want to finish school? Because that's another challenge. What do you want to do? Do you want to be a farmer? Do you want to be a driver? Like, you have options. But the thing is, you have such a gap because you're trying to find out who you are at such a young age. But our goal at the center was to try to give them a route, give them a direction to go, either through farming, through computer skills, through trying to learn English, try to be a doctor, a lot of them eventually came up with that idea towards the end of the summer camp, like you put it. And it essentially was. It was like a break between their school season.
0: Did your community like, give you land to use, or is that a common thing for ACT volunteers? Or?
3: It, again, it that varies site to site. Sometimes it goes with the family that hosts you, and sometimes it goes with the farmer that you find, again, that you find the most diligent, the most active, and they work with you, and they will give you a small plot of land, or... You work with them to do the techniques such as rice farming or gardening. You help them do it themselves and they learn and then they can continue that for the future generations.
4: Yeah, so Jessica Ferris, uh, my site's Keonjin Decavena and Sector
0: Health. What is the average week of a health volunteer? Oh. <sighs>
4: So the average week is so we're gonna start off on Monday where Callie, my site mate, comes over at eight o'clock in the morning. We leave extra early. So we walk to the Sena, like the market, and it's about a forty minute walk or so. And um we go, we pick up the vegetables that we need in bulk. We could, we can't really buy things in bulk at our site. So we buy things in bulk. Um Onions, carrots, tomatoes. Then, on Tuesdays, I go to the hospital at around 9. And I help out my frazzled Rasazi, who doesn't... Like, there's just so many kids that need to be vaccinated. And I help her out with vaccine. I don't do the vaccines. I help out with the vaccines. And I help her out with the carnets and, like, the books and the records. And helping her prep stuff out. Taking the syringes out of the paper. And, and then... I go home and then my Tuesdays are... The world is endless. Who knows what I could do? Wednesdays, uh, we have English Club and Girls Club to Mendica. And so Wednesdays are usually spent where um, Callie will come over my house or I'll go over her house and we'll prepare for whatever club meetings we need, any kind of posters, any kind of prep work. And then um, uh, we usually go our own separate ways for lunch. And then we meet up at the high school to do some train like. I don't know, teach some women about women's stuff and then teach them kids English stuff. Thursdays to... Thursday through Sunday is hard. Thursday, yeah, Thursday through Sunday is hard. I'm going to be real. I mean, Fridays I've started... I have this space underneath my house where I um, want to start helping kids. I want to create... On Fridays in the afternoons, I want to create a space to, like, uh, tutor English or something. Um, so I want to look at their copy books and see what they're learning in English. And if they have any questions, I'll answer them. Uh, on Saturdays at around three for the past, I don't know, week or so, I really want to, there's these, a few other people who actually are, like, understand English, they just don't know how to use it. Sundays, I pretend to pray in my house, and, um... Explain,
0: explain that for us real quick. If folks at home don't know the pray in house thing. Uh,
4: so, um, church lasts for basically five ever, and to avoid getting out of that, I tell people that I pray inside of my house, I'm a Catholic, but because the culture is different here, I pray in my house like a good Catholic girl that I am.
5: Uh, my name is Belen, I am a health volunteer and I live in on the east coast of Madagascar. So, I I switched sites after being at my previous site for one year. And now, moving into my new site, it's been like having to reintegrate all over again has been difficult. So, I switched my life completely. So, now before, I wouldn't really go to the Seyes Bay, which is the local hospital, the local clinic. Um, I would do more work with the surrounding villages in my town but now since it's been I don't really know anybody there I started going to the clinic a lot and just um just sitting chatting with nurses and the doctors and whoever comes to the hospital but other than that it's just been mostly reintegrating I still haven't even till now I still haven't gotten like any clubs together or anything like that it's just been hanging out and um just finding different things to do. Like finding what's what what like what can I do for the for the remainder of my service, which is like five months. Yeah. Yeah. So at my previous site, um I started a girls club and we would meet um once a week and these were students that I met at the school that I was teaching English to. Here in the villages a lot of people will come up to you and be like oh, can you teach me English? Like, I really want to learn English. And I feel bad because I used to just be like, no, I'm a health worker. I don't, I'm don't. i not an English teacher. But I'm just like, okay, this is what people want. Like, there's a lot of people that want to learn English. So I started teaching English, and in that classroom, um, I started a girls' club. So we would meet every week, and we would talk about just... We started off just, like, with bonding activities, so making, like, friendship bracelets and drawing and stuff like that and then we started getting into like information on like periods and like sexual reproductive health just things like that things about like self-esteem and stuff so that was my favorite like one of my favorite things that I've done at site but currently we're doing a malaria bike ride here on the east coast and for the malaria bike ride we got together a group of volunteers within the region Um, and so we've been visiting each of the villages and having um, lessons on malaria mostly to younger kids and at schools so teaching about the symptoms of malaria the importance of sleeping under a bed net because malaria is such a big problem here but people are just not sleeping under the mosquito nets a lot of like the the doctors and stuff in the region wanted us to also incorporate the plague into it because um i mean we're reaching all these like large groups of people and so we've been doing talking about the plague and it's funny because a lot of people are already over it it's like people think it's nobody's talking about it anymore so it's not a big deal anymore So during our festivals, toward the end, we also remind people, like, okay, well, the plague is still here in Madagascar, and you need to take care of yourself, so these are the symptoms for the plague, and things like that.
6: Okay. So my name is Richard Vasquez. I am an English teaching volunteer here in Madagascar. And I currently live in Vavatenina on the east coast, uh, Tamatov region, I
0: believe. What does, the, uh, what does the average day look like in the life of an English volunteer?
6: Um, in Vavatenina, that means that I, uh, I get up early, uh, go to class. Um, I try and get there maybe 20 to 30 minutes early to get, like, To get the board ready, Um, but I also have students that arrive twenty to thirty minutes early, so I tend to start a bit um, on schedule. So,
0: what do you mean by start the uh, start the board early?
6: Uh, Oh, (laughs) you have to. I mean, because here in Madagascar, we only really have a blackboard and chalk, um, and those are our only resources. So, if you if For example, um, if you want to do a dialogue with your students and you want them to be able to read it while you are presenting the dialogue, you have to write that out beforehand on the board so everyone can see it. So it just, it takes a while. So you want to get there early to make sure that you're ready. Uh, The way that the Peace Corps taught us, (laughs) because I wasn't an English teacher prior to coming here to Madagascar um, because the board is our only resource. Uh, we try and leave up information as long as we can because that's where, it's basically these, the student's textbook. Like they will copy everything that you put on the board into their book. And that is what they will, what they will study from um, because there are no books for them to learn English or French or anything. They don't have textbooks. Yeah so you teach uh, depending on the day so uh, on Monday I only have one class but Tuesdays I have three and each class is two hours each so (laughs) you get through maybe four hours you have a break um, make some lunch or go around town talking to people and then uh, yeah on Tuesdays I definitely go back to class and teach some more. Oh, yeah. So um, the other day, so October 11th was uh, International Day of the Girl. And um, the previous volunteer, Kelsey, had got the community involved um, maybe two years ago. And they had an event at school. So my counterpart um, definitely wanted to try and do something related to that this year. So. We tried as best as we could to um, put together some sort of speech uh, from me, from him, from other teachers. and it turned out way <laughs> way better than I had imagined. Um, a lot of the teachers were very uh, into talking about um, like the struggles of being a female in Madagascar and the importance of getting an education and look at me i'm a teacher and it was hard work like you know learn from me i'm an example so it was it was great it was awesome
0: This has been an episode of The Third Goal, a production of the Peace Corps Madagascar Media Committee. Special thanks go out to our interview panel today and the members of the Media Committee for their continued support and passion. Stay tuned for our shout-out session.
3: My name is Jared Ryan, and I'd like to give a shout-out to my brother, Josh Royan, for working extremely hard and finally purchasing his own home I am very proud of you and can never never be more proud of you in my life.
5: Hi, my name is Belen. My shout-out goes to my mom. Uh, Te quiero mucho, te extraño, y pronto nos volveremos a ver.
0: Hi, my name is Dexter Gulick, and today my shout-out goes to my lovely grandparents, uh, Marcina and HD Harmon. Thank you guys so much for all you've done for me over the past 27 years of my life, and I can't wait to see you guys again.
1: This is Claire Burke, and my shout outs obviously go to Mom and Dad, thank you for the care packages, keep them coming. Um, all of my sisters for keeping me updated on what's going on back home and um, Taylor and Mose, because you guys are awesome and I love you. My name is Jessica Ferris,
4: and I want to make the shout out for Channing Kaiser, my best friend. I love you, keep rocking it. You're doing stuff and it's amazing. Keep rocking it out west. Do good.
2: Okay, hi, my name is Marie. I'm from Boston and everybody knows that here. (laughs) And I need to give my Boston shout out to my best friends and my parents. So my mom, my dad, my sister, my brother, And I can't wait to see my mom and dad because they're coming soon. And now I'm just gonna name my best friends. Okay guys, I love you. Liza, Margie, Rachel, Amina, Caroline, Emmy, Grace, Mallory, Blake, and Katie. Your memories keep me going and make me sad sometimes, but usually make me happy, thank you. Shout out.
6: (laughs) My name is Richie. um, And I just wanted to give a shout out to my family. Um, My parents, my sisters, um my grandma um nanny i miss you so much um and rochelle like you guys i love you so much i will be back soon stop worrying it's okay